from the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch. This is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Assistant Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined in studio by my colleagues, lifestyle reporters Eric Legata and Ken Gordon. As you may have noticed, Christmas is almost here, so it makes sense that the art scene in central Ohio is bathed in red and green and topped with two turtle doves. For the young, or young at heart, a stage version of A Charlie Brown Christmas is coming to the Palace Theater on Sunday with promises of uncovering the true meaning of Christmas. For a more, um, mature crowd, there's Figgy Fest at Ace of Cups on Saturday. The annual irreverent punk rock holiday show includes seven local bands, including Figgy and the Scrooges. All proceeds benefit the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. And of course, it wouldn't be right if there wasn't yet another version of the Nutcracker to see. This time, it's the Moscow Ballet performing Saturday at Express Live as part of its North American tour. But if you really want to live Christmas, your best bet may be to visit the Ohio Village, home to Dickens of a Christmas. Inspired by Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol, visitors can learn all about Victorian holiday customs and meet characters from the beloved story, not to mention Santa himself. This is the final weekend of the event, taking place Saturday and Sunday. Emmy Beach, spokesperson for the Ohio History Connection, which runs the Ohio Village, is here with us today. Thanks for joining us today, Emmy. Maybe the first thing that you could do would be just to describe what people can expect if they were to show up for Dickens of a Christmas. Sure. Well, we hold Dickens of a Christmas each year in Ohio Village, which is our 19th century recreated Ohio town, which is on the campus of Ohio History Center. And it's really a celebration of a 19th century Christmas. So as the Victorians would have celebrated, Dickens of a Christmas really brings to life all of those traditions that factor into some of our modern practices of the holiday season. And how is it different there compared to what we might celebrate today? Well, Dickens of a Christmas, as you might come to realize from the name, it's meant to be a reimagining of what it would have looked like a Charles Dickens Christmas. So when you read A Christmas Carol and a lot of the other holiday stories of that era, we are bringing to life those traditions. So it's very much, I guess, not a ton like our modern Christmas traditions of today. You know, you're not seeing a lot of the commercialization that you might see today. It's really meant to be a celebration of family and tradition. And we bring to life a lot of those practices like decorating Christmas trees and hang stockings and making wreaths and roasting chestnuts that we think about and hear about in a lot of the classic Christmas songs, but we never experience firsthand. And how literal do we get when we talk about Dickens of a Christmas? Can we expect to see any of the characters from that there? We do have a selection of Charles Dickens characters there, specifically Scrooge and Jacob Marley, a lot of those like popular characters, the ghost of Christmas past. And those are really fun because they interact with kids and families. And, you know, they're not just stoic characters. If you go up to Scrooge, he's going to get angry at you for wasting your money on baubles and other things that you might buy in the gift shop and tell you need to, to save your money and um, spend it on more practical things. So they have a lot of fun with the visitors. It's very interactive and we really enjoy it. This is Eric Lagata here. I had a chance to go out there on Sunday and kind of see some of this for myself and it was kind of a, a good time. 
seeing the volunteers interacting with people. How many volunteers are there that are like in character? We have a dozens. I don't have an exact number, but anywhere from like 30 to 40 in the village at any given time during Dickens of a Christmas. And what's really fun is we'll have people, villagers in the homes and businesses. You can talk to them about how they might have celebrated Christmas or what they're making for their Christmas dinner. You can talk to them about what they're selling in their emporium shop. And it's a really great way to put yourself in the shoes of what it might have been like celebrating Christmas in the 19th century. And really every experience is unique. We don't have scripts that we follow when we interact with our visitors. It's really in the moment if you come up to to Santa Claus or if you come up to Krampus, which I know you probably experienced on Sunday, Eric, it's really going to be a unique experience for every person that visits. So that's something specifically I wanted to ask you about because I realized as I learned more about this, Christmas is a lot more complicated than I ever imagined. You've got Santa Claus, Bishop Nicholas, St. Nicholas, they're all there at the same time and then you've got Krampus. Can you explain the difference between all of these different people? <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um, so Bishop Nicholas is he's a 4th century bishop and he was really the precursor to St. Nicholas. So Bishop Nicholas was canonized by the Catholic Church, became St. Nicholas. We celebrate him. He was this kind and generous legendary figure who brought gifts to children on December 6th, which is St. Nicholas Day. He would put candy and small gifts in children's shoes. And then St. Nicholas evolved into Santa Claus. So we really show the evolution of these characters and, and these legends from Christmas traditions brought to life right in front of you. I'm not sure Krampus fits into that tradition I don't quite think the Krampus same way. Does either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so St. Nicholas is thought to be so kindly and generous that he can never punish the wicked children. So that's when Krampus comes in. And it's a, you know, a hundreds year old legend that we're just starting to explore with a lot of our visitors. You know, when you've come to Dickens of a Christmas year over year, a lot of the experience experiences have remained pretty constant because people come to the event to experience something that they do every year with their families that's become a tradition for them. But we wanted to give them something a little new this year, and we did it a little bit last year too, and help them experience Krampus, which is a little darker, a little seedier. But people are talking about Krampus more and more. He's kind of been this figure in our popular culture for the last few years, so we wanted to dive into his history a little bit, um, even if it is a little spooky, a little scary, but we still make it family-friendly. And how do kids usually react to Krampus? Are they scared? Do they cry or anything? Or do they enjoy it? <laughs> you know, it's really fun for them. We try really hard to not scare our children that visit. It doesn't do you much good. It, yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't work very well for the returning customers. But we find that kids are really interested in learning about this figure because, you know, kids don't learn about Krampus in, you know, the Target commercials. They see Santa Claus and, you know, they hear about St. Nicholas and, you know, other things around the holiday. But Krampus is this weird figure that they may have seen, you know, kind of in, in passing, but we get to really dive into him and, and talk a little bit about how he might have punished the wicked children, but still try to make it as lighthearted as possible. And I mean, there's a very specific kind of Christmas that's described in A Christmas Carol. Is that all that different from what Christmas may have been like during that same time period here in Ohio? So you want to find out if the Christmas that Charles Dickens explores in a lot of his popular tales would have played out in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of our modern Christmas traditions came and, and were kind of imported from Victorian England. So things like our Christmas trees that we decorate every year, they started out as, as largely a German tradition that Queen Victoria's husband in 1841 set up the first Christmas tree and it was a small little tabletop tree. And then Americans imported that tradition and that evolved into the big 
floor-to-ceiling trees that you see today. So a lot of our modern traditions come from German influences, come from English influences. So a lot of the things that Charles Dickens talks about in his famous stories are largely being played out in Ohio, you know, a few years later. So that's where a lot of the experiences that people will see and that visitors will, will get to take part in come from. So a lot of them kind of play out in that way. I know one of the family-friendly elements that you have right now as part of this are games. Can you describe some of the games that people can actually take part in while they're there? Yeah, you know, Victorians loved parlor games, and there are a lot that people can participate in. I feel like games have been, they're much more prevalent kind of in our All Hallows' Eve experiences. I feel like crafting is more of a part of Dickens of a Christmas in Ohio Village. So I can talk a little bit about the crafts and some of those sorts of things. So every year, you know, people send Christmas cards. It's a big part of connecting with family and friends over the holiday season. And in one of our buildings in Ohio Village, people can decorate their own Christmas cards inspired by a lot of the Victorian art of the season. So you'll see a lot of imagery of Santa Claus, which our modern Santa Claus kind of came out of the 1890s. It's the Coca-Cola Santa that we see with the polar bears each year. So people can decorate cards with those types of imagery. They can make wreaths out of the greenery that we'll have on hand. And they can see something called a magic lantern show, which is kind of like a little shadow puppet show that would have been fun around the holiday season in the 1890s. What I love the most about Dickens of a Christmas is that we have so many buildings and so many little businesses in Ohio Village that each one has something different. So you can go to the tavern and get a mug of wassail and kind of make your way through the village. You can get some kettle corn, which is really fun. You can hear carols and singing in the town hall, and you can see a lot of Christmas trees all over the place. And it's really fun. It's There's not one specific experience that I think, you know, really is, is something that everyone should do. I feel like it's, in general, the entire village itself is really just the feeling of Christmas is what I get when I, when I travel through. And I was there on Sunday, and it was super sunny, and I could hear carols and singing, and it was really what you think about when you think about the Christmas season. It just made me feel good. I know one of the games I saw a lot of people having fun with was the collection of stilts mm-hmm. and uh, the hoop and stick game as well. I, <laughs> I saw a lot of people playing that in the green on the green. You know, hoop and stick and stilts, those are family favorites. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at both, but I saw Santa was trying to do stilts when I was there and trying to go up against various children that he was with in that. We got a photo of that. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you might want to have a backup Santa in case we... Uh... Uh, I know. An ankle there, Some liability <laughs> issues with those stilts. Those are really fun. We have the stilts and the hoop and stick kind of throughout every village program that we do. In the 1890s is when you really see leisure time for kids because they were working less in factories and in other places. So the, the idea of like the modern childhood really came out of that era. So you see things like toys and games becoming more prevalent for kids. So we have that represented in a lot of our programs. You know, just in general, the village, you know, an event like this when people are there and interacting with volunteers who are in character. I always found it interesting how people react to that. You know, kids, I think, react maybe differently than adults. What have you seen over the years that you've been there in terms of just in general, what it's like to interact with someone who stays in character? They are not going to recognize your cell phone. They are not going to recognize anything modern that you have on you or talk about. So that always seems to be an interesting discussion. It is super interesting. And I think that it kind of throws some kids for a loop because they're not expecting them to have have that reaction to their cell phone or, or their backpack. They Our volunteers take their roles very seriously. To be someone who's in costume, in character, 
character in Ohio Village requires months of training. The individual will work within our archives to develop their character and study newspaper articles and diaries and other primary source materials of the era to develop their characters. And then they will let them play out with the visitors that come to Ohio Village. You know, when we think of history, there's for us, there's a lot of barriers for people. When they even hear history, they think like, oh, snooze. So when we talk to our volunteers and we work with our volunteers, something we always emphasize is that we really do want to bring this story to life. We want people to feel like history is still significant today. And, and, and it's something fun that you can go back and look at all these primary source materials and have them kind of play out in front of you. So beyond the textbook, beyond the dates that you were supposed to memorize in the fourth grade, this is really a new experience and an immersive experience of history, which we really try to emphasize in all of our programs and especially Dickens of a Christmas. The other thing I think I've noticed, and, and I, you know, I should say that I've volunteered there. I have volunteered there and I do volunteer there, not for this event, but what's really neat is it seems to spark those conversations between the adults and the kids. Mm-hmm. It's not the volunteers that they might start it, but all of a sudden you have these conversations where the grandparents are saying, oh, you know, when I, now in this case, not Charles Dickens' age, obviously, but something that they remembered as a child and, and all all of a sudden they're telling their kids and grandkids about something and the grandkids are asking them about things and it just seems to really bring that to life in a neat way in a very organic way absolutely and that's something that's really fun for me to witness firsthand and i see that in ohio village i also see it in the ohio history center and a lot of our exhibits where grandparents will say like oh i remember growing up with this artifact and specifically i think about our 1950s home that's in underneath the roof of the ohio history center where it's this recreated prefab house that's post World War II, where people can physically like go into the cabinets and open cupboards and thumb through cookbooks and put on clothes of the 50s era and really get to experience that. We do something similar in Ohio Village where people can see things that they may have grown up with or their grandparents had, and it makes it personal for them. And so when you can connect with history on a personal level, I think it really makes it you know really more relevant for people. Can you talk about the partnership this year with the Columbus Symphony Orchestra? Because I was there on Sunday, and when I walked into the church where they were performing, it was packed, so it must be very popular. I think it's the first year for that. Yeah, this is the first year we've worked with the Columbus Symphony. They've brought in a quartet, a viola player, two violinists, and a cellist to play songs from the Victorian era. They play in our Ohio Village Church, and I got to see them perform this past Sunday, and they'll be there on Sunday the 16th, and it was awesome. They were great sports. They dressed up in 1890s apparel, which I thought was great. (laughs) They really got into it. And it was a really approachable way to get to learn about some of the music of that era. They broke in between a couple songs and and described, you know, what they were playing. And they even talked about their instruments. So if you have young children and you want to kind of get them acquainted with classical music, this is a really great way to kind of get their foot in the door a little bit in a fun way. I know I've said this before, but it really put me in the Christmas spirit, you know, hearing all that music and and everyone just seemed very very engaged and it was a packed house. So that's something we're really excited about this year and our visitors loved it. You had mentioned earlier something that I had meant to ask you about, and that's uh, having a little bit of wassail while you're there, although I'm sure I was going to mispronounce it terribly. My question really is, what is it exactly, and how does it taste? I freaking love wassail. <laughs> so <laughs> wassail is like a spiced cidery beverage. It's always served hot, and it's served sometimes with mulled wine or rum. There are lots of variations, and it's something that's been around for hundreds of years, but we do a take on it. You can actually get it 
in the Ohio Village Tavern. So if you are of age and you want to partake, it is available. We have other drinks available as well. But that's something, you know, you can take it. You can walk around Ohio Village and, and really take in the season with wassail. That's one of my favorite things. Is that available year round or only during Christmas time traditionally? It's really only only available during Christmas time. So if you were, you know, coming for the summer, unfortunately, we wouldn't have hot wassail for you to take <laughs> when you're watching vintage baseball or something. But, you know, we might have some other fun things for you to drink then too. Even more reason than to make sure that you drop by to check things out and get a nice little wassail to yeah. keep you warm inside. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Emmy. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Same here. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614.